We are in part 20 of our Empowered Church series, walking through the book of Acts line by line. And I entitled today's message, The Power of Inclusivity. And I'm going to draw your attention to the fill in the blank there with a couple thoughts. And it all centers around God revealing himself, God telling us what he's like. You do realize God didn't have to do any of that, yeah? I mean, he's the creator. He could just create and then leave it alone. You know, many of our early uh, American founding fathers were actually deists. A deist believes that God created and started everything, but then kind of just went off on his own. He was like, listen, I gave you systems. I gave you a bunch of stuff to work off of, work off the stuff, but we're not really going to have too much of a relationship. Now, that's not what we believe, but he could have done that. And he would have been glorified for doing so. He absolutely could have said, I've set so many things in motion, I don't need to be communicating with you. But he does. He reveals himself to us. If he didn't, we would never know. I mean, he's got to do it all. There's no way mankind in our limitations could ever figure God out. Anything we ever know about him, he told us, right? As a matter of fact, the Bible describes it a little bit like this. There are two main ways that God reveals himself to us. The first one is called general revelation. General revelation says everybody has access to it. And the most popular example is creation. No matter what person is on the planet, the idea they exist should be a call out to a creator. You understand what I'm saying? Like how in the world did you get here? Okay. The fact that you can reason, the fact that you can love should indicate that there is a reasoning being and there is a loving being. The whole idea that you would say, wow, there are trees and there's plants and they're complicated means intelligent design. Everyone on the planet can have some awareness that there's stuff and that means someone made the stuff. Okay, so general, everybody gets it. The other category is called special revelation. Special revelation means that it is tailored information. It gives detailed information that not everybody would receive. The most famous version of that is the Bible. The Bible tells you fancier stuff, deeper stuff, more explanation that people wouldn't naturally pick up from nature. So if they don't have a Bible, they're not going to know that. If they don't hear it from somebody, they're not going to know that. Stuff like visions and dreams and messages from God, those are all special revelation. But what's so important to me for our time together is the why God communicates it all. I don't think he communicates with all of his creation the way he communicates with us. For example, I don't believe that he's spending a lot of time communicating with rocks. You know, you've heard this phrase, that guy is as dumb as a box of rocks. Okay, there are not dumb rocks and smart rocks. It's not like God's spending a whole lot of time trying to save rocks with evangelism. It's that they are his creation. They display his glory. You could see a waterfall shut off and see the amazing wear on the rocks. You could go to the Grand Canyon and see an incredible uh, geological marvel you can see God in it, but he's not personally communicating to them. Why? Because I believe that anytime he reveals himself to his creation, it's for a key purpose, and that's relationship. He's trying to draw you in. He wouldn't talk to you and tell you stuff about him if he didn't want to have a relationship with you. The more and more and more you know about God means his constant lure of saying, hey, 
Let's get to know each other like on a date, right? Okay, you know about me, I know about you. Okay, let's continue to bond over this stuff. Well, one of the things that God revealed to us was that we had his presence and power as an option. This year is 2023 at Bridgeway. It's a year of power. And we talk about the power of God that we need just to breathe, just to learn, just to love, just to be able to continue on, just to have any hope. We need the power of God to get saved. We need the power of God to transform. We need the power of God to be healed. We need the power of God in almost every element of our lives. And so we said, well, let's just focus on a book, and we're going to be talking about the power of God like for a year because we got to lean into it. We need more joy. We need more patience. We need more power. But at the end of the day, it's not just for us, right? Like what other human being on the planet doesn't need that, right? I mean, doesn't all the world need the presence and power? Now, they don't want it. Not everybody wants God's presence. Not everybody wants God's power. They don't think it's that big of a deal. And that shows you the difference between one person and another one in their experience on this planet. But what we also realize is that the gospel, the good news, came through Jesus, and it can all be summed up in one word, which is what? Hope. We are in trouble. There is not doom. There is hope. How? Well, all that's the gospel. But it's the good news that we're not at the end. We could be at the beginning because Jesus made a way. That's awesome. But what person on the planet doesn't need hope? Like, it can't just be for us here at Bridgeway, right? And that's the fill in the blank on the sheet in front of you. The power of the gospel is for everyone. The power of the gospel, or the good news, is for everyone. Not a select few, not an elitist group. It is for everyone. Jesus went out of his way to make it available to the entire world. That's what we're going to talk about. Would you turn with me to Acts chapter 10, verse 34? Acts chapter 10, verse 34. While you're turning there, and if you don't have a Bible, grab one under the seat in front of you. It'll be page 919. 919 will get you there a little bit faster. I'm going to recap a little bit in case you just joined us. Here's where we've been in this series. When Jesus set up his ministry and took off, he handed it off to his guys. The early Christianity arose. How did it go? Well, I don't know. That's what we're reading about. There was good guys and bad guys and ups and downs. So we've been reading through all that. There's crazy miracles and supernatural stuff, demons getting cast out, people getting raised from the dead. It's like this fascinating TV show, right? So as it's been kind of going along, it highlights different figures, different characters. One of them is kind of the big dog of the big dogs, and his name is Peter. Peter's been doing some ministry, he heals somebody, raised somebody from the dead and the power of Jesus. And Well, then one day, he's kind of taking a break, he's hanging out with somebody by the ocean, and he gets this crazy dream. This is what we talked about last week. It's a crazy dream. A vision, like he's awake, right? And he sees this sheet, like a linen sheet, coming down out of heaven. It's got all kinds of animals on it, a bunch of animals that Jews were like, yep, I ain't eating that. And they're all on there, and a voice from God says, I want you to eat them. He was like, nope, heck no, I'm not doing that. Jews have never eaten that stuff, and that was because you told us not to. So no, 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 no. We don't do that. And God said, hold on a second. 
I've changed the scenario. Now, he didn't get into the details of it, but we realize that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross, it began to alter the whole scenario. Now, all of a sudden, that which was unclean can be called clean. And you guys know the kosher laws. The Jews have always done that. And now it was being totally overhauled, and all foods were declared clean. And so they're like, man, this is going to be chaos. This is going to be crazy. I don't know how to handle all this stuff. So while Peter is freaking out about this, ding dong, right, somebody's at his house. He's like, what the heck? He looks through the window. He's like, ah, shoot, it's Gentiles. Okay, (laughs) Jews and Gentiles do not get along. We spent a lot of time talking about that. The early Christian church was really raised up in a very, very racist and prejudiced culture, right? I mean, there was all kinds of, I don't like them, they don't like us, we don't hang out, I don't like the Samaritans, I don't like the non-Jews, I don't like anybody, right? And so the early Christian church, a lot of them were Jewish, so they had that background, and they were walking in, and all of a sudden, God starts making them be around Gentiles, which is like, ew, like we avoid those people, right? So sure enough, he's like, oh great, where's this going to go? He opens the door, hey, what's up? And they're like, well, our boss, a dude that lives over there, non-Jewish guy, uh, he had a vision of an angel, and the angel's like, hey, you got to go get Peter. He has a message for you that's going to save your whole family. So he's like, go get the guy. Hi. And he's like, all right, oh, okay, okay. I just had a, anyway, I don't want to get into it. I'll go with you. Let's go out tomorrow morning. You can stay the night with us. So he heads on out, and he's like, man, I sure hope this doesn't get super non-Jewish, right? So he walks in, and they're like, hey, welcome in. He's like, oh, (laughs) I don't want to go in there. That's gross. Okay, whatever. So he goes in, trying not to touch anything, right? And he's like, like, hey, uh, what can I help you with? And they're like, well, we had a vision that says you got a message. What do you got? And that's where we pick up the story, all right? Everybody together? Here we go. Pick it up. Here we go. Uh, Chapter 10, verse 34. So Peter opened his mouth and he said, Truly I understand now that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Pause. That is life-changing. Now for us, the majority of us in this room are non-Jews. We are Gentiles. We're super used to the idea that you don't have to become a Jew in order to get closer to God. All of us are like, well, of course he loves us. We're amazing. Okay, that was not at all the vibe in history. As a matter of fact, he wouldn't say the phrase, God has no partiality now, if God didn't have partiality then. And he totally did. He did not treat everyone the same. The Jews were the chosen people. They, were, they had God in a way that nobody else did. They got all the miracles. They got all the connection and communication. They got an intimate reality that nobody else on the planet had. As a matter of fact, if you ever wanted to get closer to God, you had to go through the Jewish gateway. They were the gatekeepers. But all of a sudden, Peter put together, whoa, 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 that vision was not just about animals. That was also about people. Whoa, wait a second. We've been spending all of our time calling non-Jews unclean. (gasps) Oh, no. 
Now he's saying they're legit. Oh, dang. That means we're going to have to hang out with them. Oh, my gosh, I don't want this. Right? And he says, I now realize God just changed the story. And that we are now family. And I don't know quite what to do with that. Right? Now, in one moment, it placed a burden on the leadership that was impossible, which is what? Unity and diversity at the same time. Man, you guys all know unity's hard, right? I mean, you don't have to be in too much of a leadership scenario without realizing getting people on the same page is terrible. Like, in general, it's like herding cats, right? Like, y'all, if you, have you ever tried to plan a family vacation? Does anyone want to do the same things? No, they do not. Okay, now you got to take that struggle, but you're going to grab diverse people that do not like each other. I mean, we're talking about deep-seated racism, and you're going to shove them all together in one church and go, get along, right? The leadership's like ripping their hair out, going, this is never going to work, right? This is crazy. How about you guys do your thing? We'll do our thing. God's like, nope, there's one family. We're all in this together. They're like, oh my gosh, this is super hard. Okay, why is it such a big deal? Because really, human nature leans towards being homogenous. You guys know what homogenous mean? Hanging out with people just like you. That is kind of human nature. Why do we always want to hang out with people like us? Because it's easier. There's less confrontation. There's less having to handle things. You don't have to explain stuff. Everybody gets it already. Everybody kind of has the same worldview. And so our worlds get narrower and narrower and narrower right? Eventually, we end up in just an echo chamber, hearing the same stuff where we think that's how the whole world works. It doesn't, but we think so, because all of our friends are the same. Why does God force unity and diversity? Hey, here at Bridgeway, there's a lot of things that we're very passionate about. If you want to talk about our core issues, we're talking about Jesus. We're talking about the Trinity. We're talking about the Holy Spirit. We're talking about the Bible. These are the things that we're most passionate about. But there's a few distinctives that God whispered to our leadership that said, hey, on top of all that stuff, I'm going to give you a few burdens that are on my heart I would like you to carry. Okay? Well, one of those distinctives, we started filming a series, Pastor Brian and I, that we're going to get out to you real soon, that's going to describe some of those distinctives. One of them, diversity. Bridgeway Christian Church has had a passion to press diversity. And you're like, what, like, why? Because we think it's super important. Oh, I know, why? Is it because your area is so diverse? <laughs> no. As a matter of fact, our area is not very diverse. This county is not very diverse. Now, we're touching a county that is one of the most diverse counties in the entire United States. But here, no, we're not doing it to reflect our surroundings. Why are we doing it? Because it's biblical. And I'm going to tell you why it's such a big deal. If you're to list all the blessings of diversity in a church, you'd probably have a big list. The number one reason, in my opinion, why we need diversity is a fuller representation of God. Here's why. The way God breathes and talks through men is different than how he breathes and talks through women. Is that correct? 
It's correct. If you only hear male voices, you're going to miss a whole portion of how God talks. You understand? If the older generation communicates for God, they tend to have a sense of settledness. They have a sense of, I've been there, done that. I've walked it and I've seen it. So there's a bit more of a deeper faith vibe. When you go to the younger generation, there's a fire, there's a hope, there's an excitement, there's a passion. Do we not need intergenerational connection? Absolutely. Let's talk about it. How God moves through the black church, how God moves through the white church, how God moves through the Asian churches, how God moves through the Latino community, totally different. There's a different vibe. If you only hang out with people like you, you're going to get one slice of God and it's not good enough. In my opinion, we need to have intermix so that we can always begin to see things are different there. I will never forget, I was at uh, Sac State way back in the day, right? I had to take a music appreciation class. It was totally lame. And anyway, I don't remember much about it except for one day, we were sitting in the theater and they, uh, they played music from around the world. Now, I'm, I was a drummer, so I was like, oh, I'm interested in this one thing. So they played this and there was this rhythm sound that came out and I didn't know where it was from. I didn't even know what was making the noise. And it kind of started with a basic complicated rhythm in the back. It was like bum bum da da la bum tsh, bum bum da da la dum tsh, bum bum da da la dum tsh. And then it started getting more complicated. And then there was layer on layer and layer. They paused it. They said, do you know what this is? And I was like, yeah, no. They said, this is postal workers in South Africa. All they're doing is stamping papers. Why? Because they're like, dude, we are bored out of our minds. <laughs> and we are just sitting here. All we do is just go chunk. Chunk, chunk. So one guy goes, dude, I'll do the dun dun, dun dun. The other guys are like da 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 da, da and they're all they're doing is working together. Why? Because music was such a powerful part of their culture. They were like, why in the world would we sit here without music? Doesn't make any sense. We'll create it ourselves. And that beautiful rhythm was coming through them. You understand what I'm saying? When I went to Uganda. It was always singing and always dancing. That is not where I came from, right? And so there's this beauty where God is breathing through the, all over the creativity of different people groups and different nations and different areas. And if we only hang out with people like us, we will miss so much glory of God. Amen? Well, sure enough, he says, now God's going worldwide. What used to be kind of the corner market for the Jewish people, God was now going to go direct. That's crazy. Pick it up in verse 36. As for the word that he sent to Israel, preaching good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from northern Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. You know how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. So he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all that he did, both in the country of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Sure enough, they put him to death by hanging him on a tree. But God raised him on the third day and made him to appear, not to everybody, but to us who had been chosen by God as witnesses, who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. Okay, let's pause. Here's what he said. Guys, you know the Jesus story, right? Well, how the heck would they know that? 
They're not even Jewish. They were not in that part of Israel. So why would they know? But he's like, well, in case you don't, let me, re- let me recap it. So y'all know that there's this guy, right? Like Jesus, primarily from Nazareth. That was kind of his hometown. So he lives like 30 years, this beautiful, perfect life. But nobody even knows really anything about him. He's pretty much obscure. Then all of a sudden, he comes out, and there's this super weird dude named John the Baptist. He's baptizing people in the river. Jesus walks up. John starts getting all weird, right? John's like, oh, it's a lamb of God. This is a big deal. This is a Messiah. And we're all kind of like, oh, that's odd. All right. When he lowers him down in the water and brings him back up, like the Holy Spirit, we could see it like coming down out of heaven. A voice comes out. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. And all of a sudden, he's just lit up on fire, man. He's just excited. He goes off, does head-to-head with the devil in the desert, comes back out. The power for three years, we're watching this guy just wreck the kingdom of the devil and make everybody's life better. I mean, he's healing people, and he's raising people from the dead, and he's casting out demons. We are eyewitnesses. We've been with him every single day that we watch this guy do this. I know it's legit. Well, sure enough, they kill him. I don't know if you've heard, but they killed him, right? And they're like, yay, we got that guy dead. He pops back up like three days later. And it wasn't like a phantom and a dream and an imagination. We're eating and drinking with this guy. Ghosts don't drink and eat. I'm telling you he is legit and he's alive whoa praise God now you got to understand this is a legit testimony a witness and he's like what are you gonna do with that right what are you gonna say <laughs> right the one part I want to kind of make personal for us is this one phrase and Jesus went about doing good in other words Everywhere he went, he made other people's lives better. Here's the call. Are you doing that? Because when he took off, he said, your turn. And a lot of us were like, oh, it's my personal faith. I'm trying to figure it out. I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to manage my sin. I'm trying to get to heaven. I'm trying to, okay, hold on, hold on. You understand it's bigger than all that, right? That's not just for you. You are now the presence of God in the lives of hurting people. Do you understand that? Like, are you going out there and helping them? Can they come check in with a Christian and go, man, I'm really hurting. I need something from God. Are you helping them out? To what degree are you making people's lives better because you're a Christian? That's a key question. He's like, all right, let's put a pin in that for now. Let's keep moving. Here we go, verse 42. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that Jesus is the Messiah, the one appointed by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him, all the Old Testament prophets bore witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. That's the gospel. All right. Let's pause. What did he just say? Everyone. Not a select few, not an elite group, everyone. You want to get fancier? We'll use a fancier word. John 3, 16. Whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. I don't know if you want to use the word everyone or whosoever. You know what it all means in Greek? Everyone. Here's the key with everyone. 
There is a, normally at Bridgeway, we're pretty cool about having a diversity of opinions on a lot of things. Now, if it's not about the core issues of Jesus Christ and salvation, if it's not about the core issues of the Trinity, we're usually pretty easy going. So what we'll tend to do is present out a couple options and train you to be a critical thinker. Hey, you figure it out. You hash it out, right? This isn't like, oh, we're going to dogmatically tell you, you just do what we do. No. But there are a couple doctrines out there that we take a little bit personally, and so I have a couple that are a pet peeve of mine, and since I have the microphone, (laughs) I would like to share one with you. There is a view going on around now that's beginning very popular in certain streams of Christianity that teaches predetermination. They, that God created some people just to burn. And there's nothing you can do about it. You're either going to burn or you're not going to burn. That's just it. Like, he doesn't have a love for you. There's no interest in you. So some people are born to go be with God and some are just to fry. That's just how it works. Now, as much as I usually give a lot of room for differing opinions, that one's a hard one for me. Why? Because the Bible says everyone. It also says the lake of fire was not created for mankind. It was created for the devil and his angels. So therefore, it also says that it's God's will that none shall perish, but all have eternal life. I don't know how many passages I need to cite. It's not biblical. Well, the Bible teaches predestination is different than predetermination. The Bible does teach predestination, yes. And we got to figure out how all that works with us. But here's my point. When you truly start believing that some people are just here to burn, you're allowed to be a jerk. And I don't like it. So I don't like that doctrine at all. Here's my point. It's not in the Bible. It's not going to be in our church. So here's the point. That you will never be able to go to somebody in this planet and not feel comfortable saying the gospel is for you. Every single person, the gospel is for them. The good news is for them. As a matter of fact, it says Jesus died for the sins of the whole world. You're like, well, hold on, hold on, pastor. Not everybody's saved. Oh, I agree. So here's how it works. Jesus isn't going to die over and over and over and over and over again every time somebody wants to get saved. Is that correct? So he died once for all, put it in account, and the question is whether or not you're going to draw off that account. Does that make sense? That determines whether or not someone is saved or not saved. Okay, cool, but the account is open for anyone that wants to draw from it. You got that? Okay, cool, because it says Everyone who believes in him, how much do you need to believe in him? You got to believe enough that he's the saving guy, right? Because there's no point in reaching your hands up to somebody who's not a saving guy. So if you say, I'm in trouble, I need a saving one, we call that a savior, you reach your hands up and say, can you save me? that automatically creates an openness that God can now flow through. Does that make sense? The only reason you had the idea is because he told you first. So if we're going to talk about who's doing all the work here, it's always God, right? Okay. But you still have to realize and say, I want you to save me. That's key. He said, for anyone that does that, you will receive, not take, not earn, you will receive forgiveness of your sins. Now, there are some of us that are a bit silly that believe that we're good people. 
I'm really going to blow that bubble out of the water. You understand what I'm talking about? Like, first of all, I've talked to your spouse. You're not. Yeah? Even if you were, you're born broken, there's an issue, you got to get it resolved. Okay, you have a sin problem that creates a separation. You can't be the full you until it's cleaned up. All right, cool. That's why Jesus said, let me handle it. I'm going to go to the cross, and it's not that God's going to go, oh, it's no big deal now. No, no, no. Sin is always a big deal. What he said was, someone's going to die for this. It's either going to be you or it's going to be Jesus. Those are your choices. Jesus said, I kid you not, I need you with me. I will go to the ends of the earth to save you. Do not let this go. Right? He's like, I lived a whole perfect life. I did everything right. I'm the sinless lamb of God, and I was sacrificed for you. I didn't do it for me. I did it for you. I don't got the problem. You got the problem. Let me fix your problem. Yeah? That's the Savior. Everyone will receive the forgiveness of sins through his name. Pick it up, verse 44. And while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the Jews who came with Peter, that's those six guys, they were amazed because the gift and presence of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on non-Jews. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues, a language they didn't even understand, and praising God. What just happened? Pentecost for the non-Jews just broke out. And all the Jews were like, oh, I thought that was our thing. Oh my gosh, they totally got it too. That's so weird, right? So they're freaking out. All the Gentiles are like, woohoo, right? They're like, we're saved. We've got the Holy Spirit, which, by the way, when you get saved, you get the combo pack, right? You get, I got a Jesus and I got a Holy Spirit two for one deal. It's super awesome. So you have all that stuff, right? Now, we today, if you're saved, you just need a new fresh filling of the Lord periodically, but you already have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This was for unity. God waited for the Jews to be with the Gentiles so they would consider them legit and then the Pentecost hit and it was like yay we're all one family that's key well sure enough Peter said can anyone withhold water from baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have and he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and they asked him to remain with them for some days sounds kind of weird that he was like you got this crazy supernatural God all over you, inside you, and now he's like, no, you must get wet. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's kind of a wah-wah, you know, like, well, that other one was really cool, <laughs> you know. Why do we teach water baptism here? Does it save you? No, it doesn't. Then why is it so important? Because... Not only is it powerful for you to go through an experience where you can own your faith, where it can become real, where you can tangibly do something, which is very critical. Not only is that super important, but it even has an even more powerful reality for community. Why? None of us can know anything going on in your heart. We can only see your actions. So it is an action that says, I now identify as a Christian. In other words, you go public. You're like, hey, everybody, I just need you to know I'm one of you. Because the rest of us can be like, oh, sweet, now I can celebrate that. You're one of us. So it doesn't matter whether or not you've been a believer for like 20 years, 30 years. 
you go, I've never gotten baptized. Why? Why not go public and say, hey, just so everybody knows, Jesus is my Lord and Savior. He's the most important thing to me. I have no problem getting wet. If he told me to stand on my head, I'd do that too, right? So what do we do here? We always do the water baptism. That's what we're celebrating because now everyone can go, you're with us. It's powerful. That's different then, wow, the Holy Spirit is coming within me and dwelling within me forever. That's different than a filling of the power of the Holy Spirit. Those are all beautiful things. They're just different, right? So, Pastor Lincoln, can you come on out here and kind of work with me, play a little bit here? here here's what we're going to do, you guys. We're going to close out, and we're going to pray. And I'm going to pray for two groups of people. The first group is that there are some of us here that this is the first time it has ever totally resonated that we need a Savior. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you right now, this may be the first time you ever had it explained to you very simply, which is, I've only been living for me because I didn't know another way. But now you're telling me that that has left me separate from my God. But Jesus made a way for that to be connected. Well, I want to be connected to my God. I want to be everything he made me to be. I don't want my sin to tear away from me. I don't want my sin to keep me blocked from God. I want forgiveness. Now, understand, it doesn't make everything easy. It doesn't suddenly make it where you're mature and you've healed from all your trauma. What it means is that all that kept you apart from him has now been put back together. It means now the Holy Spirit can come in and go, hey kiddo, we can do this. Now it's a matter of rising up to be who he built us to be. The other group is that there's some of us that are Christians, we've been, maybe been Christians for a really long time, and we're pretty wore out. We're pretty tired, we're pretty exhausted. And God has us doing a lot of ministry that's gonna demand that we do something that's over our heads. Like for example, let's say you're a caregiver and you have to have more patience and more patience and more patience. You're like, I got nothing. But all of a sudden, God says, I would love to help you with that. Maybe it's a scenario where you're in an environment where there is, you know, nobody's a Christian around you and it just feels so brutal and you would love to say something but you're scared out of your mind. So you're like, Lord, I don't got it. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's that you know you should be going out and praying over people and getting them healed. You just simply are like, Lord, I just need a fresh touch. I'm gonna pray for all of us that need a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Does that sound good? All right, let's go ahead and do that. Heavenly Father, we come to you now in this holy moment with everything else And it's in this place, God, that we are beginning to sense you're whispering our name to be saved. God, to be honest, we don't even know what it all means. And you only told us take the first step, which is to admit we need to be rescued. So God, right now we admit that because we need you. So let me ask you, all of those of you who would love to receive Jesus Christ and receive that forgiveness and receive that for the first time, would you just raise your hand? Who needs to be saved and rescued? Yeah. 
Yeah. Anybody else? Yeah. Yeah, beautiful. I'm going to pray for you. Lord, we have raised our hand because we say, me, God, would you save me? The Lord, that all I've heard about is that you're everybody else's God, that you're always doing something for somebody else. Lord, I have no answer for the afterlife. I've got no answer for this life. That, Lord, all I've been doing is doing my best. And it always leaves me lacking. It always leaves me empty. It always leaves me where I have a trail of disappointment. God, there's some stuff that I'm just broken in, and there's some stuff that I've really done wrong. I just lay it all in front of you. I don't want it anymore. I want to become who you built me to be. Save me. Jesus, everything you did on the cross, everything about the dying and taking the hurt and taking the beating and taking the distance and taking the scared stuff, would you just take it away? Let it all be true for me that I, you said there's nothing I could do that you can't clean up. There's no hole I'm in you can't lift me out of. So right now I say, save me. Save me, save me. I don't want to keep going like this. So let the blood of Jesus cleanse me that I might be free. Everything that the enemy meant for evil, would you turn it into good? Would you begin a beautiful redemption story where all my hurts and pains begins to have meaning and I begin to use them for your glory would you begin the beautiful process Holy Spirit where you come into my life and you begin to talk to me like I'm your child that you begin to tell me things and lead me in places and divine appointments and amazing coincidences where you would be my comforter that I would know I'm never ever going to be alone again. I don't know what it takes to surrender, but I give it all that I got. Take it and save me. You can put your hand up. God, there's some of us here who, if we took Christianity seriously, Lord, there's a bunch we need to do and we just simply don't have it. We're exhausted, we're wiped out, we're scared, we're afraid, we lack confidence, we're too shy. We, we have about a million reasons why we're not being like you, Jesus. For some of us, Lord, it's that we've been giving and giving and giving and we're tapped out. So we are gonna ask for a fresh filling. Holy Spirit, would you come and fill us anew? Would you, like you did with Jesus, descend down and just begin to ignite a fire back in our spirit? That, Lord, that you would give us the boldness that we do not have, that you would give us the strength that we do not have, that you'd give us the patience we do not have, that you would give us the hope that we do not have, that from the inside out, Holy Spirit, you begin to quicken our gifts. You begin to quicken our minds. You begin to share with us intimate secrets just between you and I, that, God, we need you. If that's you, would you just stand up right now? Do you need fresh filling of the Holy Spirit? Who needs more of the Holy Spirit right now? Stand up, yeah. Yeah. God, we are standing up and we're saying, me, Lord, fill me. 
I just, I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. I feel like I'm just tired. I feel like I just need more of you. Fill us, Holy Spirit, right here, right now. That we might be able to go out in an emboldened way, in a way like, Lord, what rocked the house when Pentecost hit, both for the Jews, the Samaritans, and the Gentiles. Lord God, would you just begin to move in our hearts that we would feel closer to you. We would hear your voice more articulately. That we would be able to say, my feet can stand a little bit longer. That, Lord, that we would begin to have compassion that we never even had before. That we would have the power flowing for signs, wonders, and miracles. The Holy Spirit, would you come upon us, every one of us, would you come upon us, not because we earned it, not because we deserve it, but because you're kind. That's it. We say yes, Lord. Fill us. Fill us afresh right here, right now. Have your way with us because whatever room we've given you, take it all up. And wherever you can carve out more room, take it. We just need more of you, more of you, more of you. God, we are so thankful. You may be seated. And God, there's some of us that just ask for a touch from you. Lord, there's some of us that are in pain. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pronounce pain gone. No more hurt. No more woundedness. In Jesus' name. We proclaim, Lord, that our muscles might strengthen those that are atrophied, those that are hurting, those that are in pain, those that are not operating right. Lord, we proclaim healing in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth right now. Full range of motion back. Lord, change our mind. We've been thinking in terms of our weakness for too long. We now want to think in terms of your strength. Flip the script on us, God. Begin to show us that if pain is unnecessary, it's got to go. The only thing you would allow in our life is that which is purposeful and good for our development or your glory. Everything else has got to go in Jesus' name. So we proclaim against anything the enemy has moving. We proclaim against any assignment. We proclaim against anything anything that would tear us down and we proclaim the protection of Jesus Christ over us. May the blood of Jesus Christ cover this congregation, all that can hear my voice, all that can understand what I am saying. Lord God, would you bless us? Would you encourage us? Would you comfort us? And would you lift up our heads to look where our help is coming from? To the glory of your name in Jesus' precious and powerful name we pray. Amen.